Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And when we were trying to figure out what to talk about today, uh, I thought that the big story was going to be trying to get Archie to eat food. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I texted you, what, about 10 hours ago or so, and I said, well, it's a pretty slow day, not much news, so let's, uh, you know, let's come up with an idea. And we did, and we will. But about an hour ago... You know, as the sports world tends to do, uh, we got news that we did not expect. The Oklahoma City Thunder have agreed to send Russell Westbrook to the Rockets, reuniting him with ASU legend James Harden. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. In exchange for Chris Paul, one of the only other contracts of this size. Right, uh, right. And yeah. along with Paul, the Rockets are sending... Uh, protected first in 2024 and 2026, as well as pick swap rights in 2021 and 2025, which gives the uh, Thunder, I believe, seven protected or unprotected first-round picks and yeah. four pick swaps in the next six years. Just from those two deals, and then they got they oh, got sorry, one more apparently uh, from the Jeremy Grant trade that wasn't in the original uh, news I read. So they have eight uh, plus four four potential pick swaps with the Clippers or Rockets. So, yeah, I mean they are uh, they are really going all in on the idea of hey we're gonna we're gonna tear it down and we're gonna build back through the draft and we're gonna probably bank that by you know 2024, 25, 26, which is a ways from now. And as we know in the NBA, things change rapidly. Uh, that the Clippers and or Rockets have bottomed out some, and that maybe those picks turn out to be a lot better than you'd think right now. So here is here is their haul from the Paul George, Russell Westbrook, and Jeremy Grant trades. 2020 draft, they've got two first-rounders, their own in Denver's. 2021, their own Miami and a pick swap right with Houston. 2022, they have their own and the Clippers. 2023, they've got their own and Miami's and a pick swap with the Clippers. Yeah. 2024, they've got their own, the Clippers and the Rockets. 2025... <laughs> They have their own and a right to swap with the Clippers and the Rockets. Yeah. And in uh, 2026, they've got their own, the Clippers and the Rockets. Now, some of those are protected. Some are unprotected. Right. Uh, Right. And I believe that the uh, projected uh, double draft where 18-year-olds can get in is in 2022. Right. Right. You know, so there you go. They got the Clippers on that year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they uh, they are obviously you know totally hitting the reset button. Um, not sure it was necessary, but I, I suppose if they look around, I mean, certainly after what happened with Paul George, it makes sense. Um, but, you know, they they were in the playoffs last year until you know George got banged up near the end of the year. They were sitting in the you know three or four seed for most of the year, right there, and and could add home court. They slipped at the end. They ended up, I think, the sixth seed got beaten five by Portland um and that's that I guess we can you know we can officially put a bow on the Thunder era of you know Westbrook Durant Harden which you know slowly but surely now they're all three gone Ibaka was part of that too um you know George came in in the last couple years he's gone so this era of, of OKC Thunder basketball is gone by the wayside and and they'll use those draft picks to uh, try to build up the you know the future era, uh, but obviously the the fascinating thing for you know the the short term is the Westbrook Harden pairing, which you know was was successful in Oklahoma City, but that was a different time in both of their careers, certainly a different time in James Harden's career, and so it'll be very interesting to see how they mesh now that James Harden left and basically became Russell Westbrook, you know, ball dominant, a lot of shots, offense runs through him. Um, you know, they get along really well, but how will they mesh on the court will be very interesting to see. Meanwhile, the Thunder, obviously in full rebuild mode, now have the uh, large contract of a 34-year-old Chris Paul along with Stephen Adams, basically immovable yeah. contract, and Gallo, who you think that will yeah. probably be a uh, – you know, trade deadline acquisition for someone. Sure could be, yeah. yeah. I mean, the rumors are already picking up about Chris Paul. Will they Will they send him on somewhere else? Or will it be a, uh, I mean, it would be a monster situation, but would they try, would it just end in a buyout? 
and him ending up as a free agent. And of course, you know, people already are connecting the dots to the Lakers because of his, you know, relationship with LeBron and desire to play together. And so, uh, who knows? I mean, there, there's a few more at, you know, just, just as with the Paul George trade, um, there, you know, the next domino was Westbrook. Now the next domino will be what happens with Chris Paul. Cause it seems unlikely he plays out that contract in Oklahoma city. Well, so let's talk about Chris Paul and what the options are. Obviously, uh, you and I texted before we started recording that yeah. Chris Paul did play in Oklahoma City during that yeah. awkward hurricane uh, year right, where the right. New Orleans then uh, then what were then the Hornets then Hornets, the Hornets. Yep. now yep. Pelicans were the yeah. New Orleans Oklahoma City Hornets for a year, uh, and he was a big part of that. He, he was, yeah, that was the start of his career. And he's now back in Oklahoma City, although the one of the players who was mentioned as a potential partner in a trade uh, that makes sense for the Thunder, if they could do it, is getting Blake Griffin back to the state of Oklahoma. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think the odds of Chris Paul quietly going to the Detroit Pistons are low. Um, I think so, too. I think the odds of him quietly joining the Thunder are are low. I mean, Chris Paul's a you know he's he's not been known over his career as a uh, quiet soldier type of guy. Uh, you know, he, he rubs people the wrong way. Uh, he's he's a little bit abrasive. I mean, he's a heck of a player. He's Hall of Famer. Uh, but you know, every every uh, big time teammate he's ever had has not been sad to see him go. It seems like, uh, and and so I think the odds of him going to a total rebuild situation and just playing the loyal happy soldier for three years does not seem likely so the question comes down to how much does he want out because again if we're talking buyout how much of that contract is he willing to give up yeah and that is a that's an interesting thought too because you know whether it's true or not the optics were that chris paul as he was leading the players association in the last labor deal Uh uh, established a rule or a rule was established that benefited him specifically uh, to sign a higher value extension as an older player. Right. And he the ten, the ten plus rule. Yeah. yeah. And he then took it, and yeah. and that is the albatross contract that he has now. <laughs> as he uh, yeah. last year became very pedestrian, and I think there is now more to uh, more truth to the reporting about the problems he and James Harden must have been having. I think so. I mean, it seemed like there was, there was too much smoke there not to be some fire. Uh, you know, could they have made it work? Uh, who knows? Yeah. We'll never know, obviously. Um, uh, but I think, you know, that look, the Rockets before everything else that happened in the last, you know, three, four weeks, we heard that the Rockets wanted to, to make a big move to try to shake things up and, you know, continue along the path of contention, but not just come back with the same core. Well, you know, this does that. It doesn't totally shake up their core, but it certainly changes the dynamic of their team. And, and uh, you know, I, I mean, I think you add them to the list. I thought they were already on the list, but now I think even more so if you, if you can have harmony there, which is a big if uh, between Westbrook and Harden. But, I mean, you know, I... I'm sitting here the last, you know, hour or so, and I'm just like, can, can we just get to October already so we can get to the season? I, I mean, I don't know that I've looked forward to an NBA season this much in quite a while because the Western Conference race especially is just going to be incredibly fascinating. Yeah, it, it's interesting the things Daryl Morey has done in the last three years. Oh, yeah. To, to build this Rockets team yeah, and, yeah. and structure it. You know, first to get Chris Paul, who basically forced his way there. Which was out of nowhere. When they yeah. made, I mean, I remember two years ago when that trade went down, I'm thinking, wow, where did that come from? Uh, yeah, and, and now two years later to, to move on from him and get Westbrook. And, and to get Westbrook, whose game, as you said, seems to more overlap than complement James Harden's game, at least it offensively. Does. But defensively, yeah. a guy who is a scrambler and a hustler and yeah. has the relationship yeah. with James Harden. Yeah, yeah, they do. I mean, they, you know, they grew up in the same uh, area. You know, they knew each other from, from youth basketball. Uh, they were in the, you know, the Pac-10 together, which, uh, you know, 
news like this just makes me think back to 2008 and the fact that we saw those guys play against each other. And who would have ever imagined? Certainly not me. Two and MVPs. I don't think you and yeah, two MVPs and and scoring champs and. I mean, just who would have guessed that, that when, you know, yeah, UCLA played ASU, we knew they were both pretty good. UCLA was really good that year. Uh, they had Kevin Love. But I would not have guessed when, when those guys were on the court in front of us that night that, you know, they'd go on and both win MVP, scoring titles, almost certain Hall of Famers. Uh, you know, so it, it you know, just for, for people of our ilk who went to ASU in that era, it's, uh, it's hard to believe that we're here now. Um, and then they played together, you know, three years in Oklahoma City, went to the finals their last year together, and then Oklahoma City decided that they weren't going to pay Harden what they were going to pay Durant and Westbrook, and so they moved him on, and now seven years later, they're back together. Yeah. It's, uh, look, th- this offseason in the NBA, I think, has been crazier than any (laughs) offseason of any sport that didn't involve a labor stoppage that I can remember. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Yeah, I mean, uh, just the the flurry of moves. I mean, like I said, you know, that that story about the Rockets wanting to make a splash and anybody was on the market except for Harden, basically, that was only about a month ago, but it seems like it was about, you know, six years ago with all the stuff that's happened in between. Uh, you know, just so so many things have have shaken up since then, um, and and the number of, of big name players on new teams, and not you know not one superpower team. I mean, you look at the West; you got you got Leonard and George in LA, you got LeBron and, and Davis also in LA, different team. You got Westbrook and Harden in Houston. Uh, you got, you know, you still got Portland with, you know, with Lillard and McCollum, and they were, you know, in the conference finals last year. You got Utah and Denver, which may not have the superstars, but good teams that, you know, got better with some of the, some, you know, smart, you know, some under the radar additions. You still got Golden State with Curry and Thompson when he comes back. Uh, I mean, that's that's seven deep already, uh, and it, you know, so man, I just I cannot wait for for next season. Uh, it's just going to be really fun to see how it plays out because they won't all be great. That's the other thing. I mean, somebody of that group is probably going to be a disappointment, maybe more than one somebody, and and so that's the fascinating thing too is who who emerges and who lets you down. I do not think that the Suns will emerge. I don't think so either. There's a few have-nots in the West. Certainly Oklahoma City has made themselves into one. Uh, Memphis has brought, you know, at this point they're in rebuild mode, obviously moving on from Gasol and Conley in the last year. The Suns are still, you The know, Suns have had the, the most weird decision-making yes. process. As Like, thinking about guys who they've waived in order to keep the cap for Ubre, but then they acquired Aaron Baines and his five point right. four million dollar contract. Yeah. And, you know, it's like yeah. hey, come up with a plan. You know, the Zach Lowe, I know and a lot of the ESPN people keep referring to the Arnovitz story about yeah. the goats and about, you know, they'd be better off with the goat right. as the GM or is the goat <laughs> the GM currently Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean I, I you know, I hate the Suns, and I have uh, I have very little you know fondness or admiration for them. Uh, so it doesn't bother me in the least. Uh, they do have some interesting young talent, obviously with Booker and Aiton. But yeah, I don't I don't see. I mean, the thing with the Suns is they they've had good young talent over this last decade, and they don't they don't foster it well, and they end up you know moving on. They end up changing direction all the time. They're like the Kings. And, and the Kings are a team that I think could, you know, could be a playoff team next year, maybe. But will they ever stay patient enough to make something work? It's always a new coach, a new GM. Um, I mean, I remember three, four years ago, the Suns, everything was, was you know, Ryan McDonough was going to be the savior. Well, he's gone already. Before that, it was Jeff Hornacek as the coach. Next, he's a genius. Well, he's, he was gone, you know, a year and a half later. Then it was Earl Watson. He was gone. You know, I mean, they, they constantly push reset. And I don't, I don't trust that they won't push reset on this too. Whatever it is they're doing, uh, you know, Sarver will probably decide in the next six months to a year that he doesn't like it, and we need to do something else. Zach Lowe has tweeted, "This is a fantastic return for Oklahoma City. Cannot believe the old Thunder are all gone, and that two reunite yeah. in Houston. The Rockets gave up more assets than I thought anyone would." 
Let's see if they can make it work. Russ attacking closeouts, Harden getting more spot up threes is definitely is interesting. Yeah, I, you know what? I don't think it's it's that bad of a deal for Houston. I mean, you know, who knows what those picks will be? It's a long ways off into the future. But if if you consider that, I think they I think they definitely just player for player they improved. Westbrook's younger and he's better right now than Chris Paul. I don't think there can be much argument about that. And and so then you're giving up you're giving up two picks and possible swaps. But if you're good and and with what Daryl Morby's done and the ability to continually you know evolve that team, you know you'd feel fairly confident they're still going to be good. Are those are those pick swaps really that bad? What I mean, the, the jury will be out years from now, I guess. You know, whether it was it what twenty four, twenty six, or the picks they gave up. So we're not going to know for a while where those are, but. I don't really think that's that bad of a deal for them. And if and if Westbrook is the guy that maybe just maybe gets them over the hump and gets them to the NBA Finals or win a title, that was definitely worth it. So one of the great sports what-ifs of the last, you know, 15 months has been what if Chris Paul had stayed healthy for the yeah. conference semis yeah. or conference finals rather conference two finals, years ago. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone has said the you know the big knock on his career is no title. Well, he's, right. he's now clearly not going to win one in Oklahoma City. No, and no, does I don't the think so. does the buyout then weigh into that for him as a you know he'll take less Where's because then he can control his destiny and try to go to, you know I imagine you a Clippers so. reunion is out of the question. But I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I could definitely. See him with the Lakers. Uh, I mean, you know, he obviously he and LeBron have have you know been good buddies for a long, long time. They were in the same high school class, and you know they're the, the banana boat crew with with uh, you know Wade and, and Carmelo. Um, uh, so uh, it, it definitely is feasible to see him there, but he'd have to take a, I mean, he'd have to take a minimum deal. They don't have they don't have any more big money to spend. So is he willing to do that? Uh, I guess we'll find out if, if that buyout situation comes to pass. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there'd be other places he could fit, but but I, I think that, you know, the market won't be huge for him. I mean, he's old, he's injury-prone, and... And, and he lost his steps. He has. Oh, yeah, and, and his off-the-court... Uh, you know, side of things, and not not you know not off the court as in behavior, but locker room. You know, he's he's not been known as a you know great locker room guy. You want him around, like he's he's had his run-ins with teammates and coaches. Um, you know, so uh, I mean, he's not Terrell Owens or anything like that. I wouldn't say, but he's he's a difficult personality, and you know, gosh, I mean, L.A. Lakers, I uh, should say, you know, they don't have as many difficult personalities as they did last year, but they still got some combustible elements. You still, you know, LeBron has, you know, had his history of coach run-ins. Uh, Boogie Cousins, they've added Rajon Rondo. You had Chris Paul to that mix, and boy, good luck, Frank Vogel. Uh, you can keep everybody happy, you'll be coach of the year, but if you can't, you'll probably be fired by February. Yeah. Let's be honest, he might be fired by February anyway. He might be, because they've already got his replacement in the waiting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, that's that's the another awkward thing about that team is, uh, you know, Jason Kidd is sitting there ready to, you know, move over a chair anytime they want. Uh, Sam Esfandiari and Tim Kawakami on Twitter both pointed out that uh, now the only active player with at least 10 years or longer on just one team is Steph Curry. That's it. That's the whole list. Is it really? Wow. Well, yeah. At yeah, the end of last uh, season, there were only four. Dirk, Westbrook, Mike Conley, Dirk. Westbrook, and Curry. Yeah, wow. Wow, that's true. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, gosh, we were we were talking last time that the last four guys, eight, eight seasons worth of finals MVPs are on different teams, and three of them changed teams this offseason. Uh, you know, now you look at your, you know, your regular season MVPs, obviously, uh, Durant won one with the Thunder. He's not there anymore. Westbrook changed teams. Um, I mean, you know, and, and guys who've been close to winning. Paul George was a finalist. Davis was a couple of years ago. So, yeah, you know, LeBron obviously has won, you know, four MVPs in his career. He's on a new team from last year. So, it's, you know, if, like we said last week, I mean, if you want star movement, this is, this is the league and this is the year to, to enjoy it. Um, if you don't like that, 
you know, if you're a, if you're an old school fan who's like, you know, oh, I want to draft a guy and keep him for 15 years, well, the NBA is kind of moving away from that direction, and it has been for a long time. So it's it's leaving you in the dust. So you were saying earlier that you are ready to fast forward to October. That is a I am. that is a sports date on the calendar. You are excited about. I am this year at least. Yes. Our topic that we were gonna do, and that we will now return are. to, right, is what are your favorite sports days? Yes, I think fitting for today because well, yesterday is probably the very slowest sports day of the calendar year because it's you know the day after the All Star Game. No, none of the four major sports have an event today. Pretty close. Only one baseball game scheduled. So on this one of the slowest days of the year. Let's, let's talk about some of the best sports days of the year. So this idea originated from a Doug Haller uh, thing that we saw, and we've kind of kept it in the back burner. Yes. For a day like this, a week like this, again, uh, just a couple hours ago, we didn't have anything to discuss uh, in, in current news. So, you know, it was a great July topic, and here we are in the heart of July, and we need topics. So... I don't know how you broke yours down, so I'm going to tell okay. you. I'm going to tell you my favorite day, okay, of of the sports year, and I'm assuming that it has to be something that recurs. It you can't yes. like I can't pick a Packers Super Bowl. I have to pick the Super no. Bowl. An um, annual day that that you know it's like okay, I love that day. No matter, I mean, it doesn't. It can matter, but you know. Like, it's, it's not based on who wins or loses or the outcome, but more so just like, you know, this is a day you circle months out, maybe years out, that, you know, I'm, I'm reserving time for that day. So my number one most consistent, exciting sports day mm-hmm. is NCAA Tournament Thursday. I was going to – that's very high up on my list. And it, it – yeah, you know, that's, that's a great one and – and it's funny you say Thursday because I was even going to say the same. Like Thursday and Friday is the same number of games, but there's a unique excitement about Thursday when everybody's still in it, every upset's still alive, every Final Four dream is still alive. That makes that the best day, I think. Yeah. Oh, thir- Thursday is better than Friday. It is. Because it is. I mean, one, it, it, it takes away a work day focus, true. which is great. True. Um, you know. You you always now have something to talk about with the people you work right. with. You right. you know where the nearest TV in or around your office is. Uh, yes. w- with the advent of uh, the online streaming, where you can just get whatever game at the buzzer you want. Right. Um, right. You know, or your phone if you're at a place that monitors that sort of thing. Sure. You know, and it's just fun, and it and it, it has. It has a long buildup because you get the bracket on Sunday. You right. make your picks. You know, you and I have our tradition of talking through yep. our picks. Yep. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it, it, you know, and there's just there's something like there's those limitless possibilities. You know, anybody could beat anybody. Uh, you have your your upsets, which you know, there's always. It seems like every time there's a, there's a game, you know, in the first half of the day Thursday, that it's like, oh, I picked that, you know, 12 seed, and I'm like, well, let's let's see if I'm right right away. Let's find out. But when the day starts, and especially out here on the West Coast, you know, the games start at 9:15 in the morning, and they go until past nine o'clock at night, and then you kind of get that, like, you know, again because Friday's the same. It's like you get the the dessert right after, you know, like okay. That was fun. Wake up tomorrow and let's do it all over again. Um, so what is your top sports number day? one? Number one, I, I would probably choose that day, too. Uh, the only other one that, that to me is like really close is the first Saturday of college football, which this year I believe is August 31st. It's always, you know, last weekend of August or first Saturday of September. Um I love that day because every you know usually everybody's playing on that weekend at least most games are Saturdays. There's you know there's a few on Thursday like ASU this year and there's one Sunday one Monday, but it's just uh, again it's sort of that same idea as the first day of the tournament where it's like limitless possibilities. You know you could see upsets. You've usually got some big games. You know some big matchups right away. 
Um, and everybody's still alive. Everybody's got that dream. Maybe it's maybe it's our magical year where we're going to go twelve and zero, and we're going to end up in the playoff at the end. And by the end of the day, you know, half those dreams have already been dashed, basically. Uh, but it's it's uh, it's that to me is the only one that's kind of on par with that. I think that that is a great day. It's always exciting. Again, you know, plenty of build up and time. Yes. Yes, I mean that. That's the other thing is is you know college football has the longest gap between the end of its season and the start of its next season, and so it's like you know you're you're starving for college football by the time it comes. It's you know the season ends by January fifteenth. I think this past year was like January 9th or something, and and you don't get any preseason games. You don't get you know yeah you can watch some spring games on TV, but they, you know. But you, you really you don't get any college football competition from mid-January until the end of August. Well, and, and so when, when it happens, it's like, oh, it's back. Bring it on. Well, and when you're an ASU player, or an ASU fan, rather, your spring ball ends before rodeo and break. And, and, exactly, yeah. Know. Yeah, early March, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's true as well. But, you know, I mean, spring practice is always fun. And I watch some of the spring games, and, you know, but it's, it's not the same. Um, you know, and so there's, there's that, that wait for it, um, that to me, I guess I'd probably have that be number one, just because I guess, you know, for me, college football resonates a little more than college basketball. I know the teams more, I know the players more as we've discussed the changes in college basketball, you know, on that Thursday of the tournament. Now, a lot of times you're just learning these players names, uh, unless you're a diehard college basketball fan. It's like, you know, you, you get a lot of these guys that maybe you've heard a little bit about, you don't know too much about, and you get to know them over the course of those three weeks. Football, to me, is different. You know, I, I, I'm inhaling it 12 months a year. Uh, I'm reading the, you know, athletic state of the programs, uh, you know, preview series over the course of the offseason, that type of stuff. So I'd probably go that one with college basketball tournament Thursday, slightly behind it, too. Maybe 1A. Okay. Well, my... My second choice is not a sports day, but along the same lines as a, you know, as the anticipation you feel and and what it means is fantasy football draft day. Okay. Okay. Because you get all of the excitement. And if you're in a league where everyone gets together, like I'm in, in person, it's great. And you see everybody. Some people, it's the only day of the year you sure. see them. Sure. Um, and then it also sets you up for three months of, you know, involvement. Because if, for me, the Packers are not good, like last year, then I care a lot about what's going on <laughs> in my fantasy team and how, right, right. how yeah. that's going. I, and I it, got you. I got it you. keeps me yeah. engaged. So. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, I... That is one that we'll, we'll diverge on. As you know, I'm not a big uh, fantasy guy. I haven't been for a while, but but I know a lot of people love it. Um, you know, and that's that's the way they they uh, you know foster interest in football is is through fantasy sports, and you know, the NFL loves it. Um, so okay, I, I like that pick. I respect it. So that's my two. I I guess we're now each on our three. Yes, and I I will go first on three just because it's a bit of a smooth transition from yours i'm going nfl draft thursday night which as we've discussed in the past i hated the idea when they switched it i loved the draft on you know saturday and sunday um and i still wish they had it that way you know if i'd be you know totally it was just up to me i wish they had it still that way but i have grown to love the first round thursday the anticipation that comes with it all day long um and, and especially the last well, three years for me, since I've no longer been working with the draft and the NFL, it's been great. I've planned my Aprils around it. Yeah, well, the the other thing that's been, for me at least, slightly more enjoyable the last couple years, especially two drafts ago, is yeah. the not having the number one pick signed before draft day. True. You know, yes. there were, espe- yes. I mean, especially so. with the Baker Mayfield pick, there was history. Yeah. 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 Yep, you're right. I mean, there was, there was legit suspense until the moment that pick was announced last year. Not so much this year. We tried to build it. You know, there was a lot of misinformation out there both ways. Um, 
but it, you know, ultimately it went the way most people expected. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, up to about probably two days before the draft last year, the consensus was Sam Darnold was going mm-hmm. number one. And then it's, you know, slowly but surely on the day of the draft is really when it started to change. The more and more like, I don't think so. They're not going that way. And sure enough, that's what happened. And uh, so, yeah, there, there's been more suspense. Um, you know, they're just there's always there's always some drama. What was it? Uh, you know, three, four years ago, the Laramie Tunsil video mm-hmm. that came out on that night when he was maybe going to go number one. He ended up, you know, sliding out of the top ten. Um you know, there's, there's, it's just, it's, uh, it's fun for me. I mean, and again, I will admit that my personal experience and having, you know, having worked it and hating it and now not having to work it and therefore loving it is, is, you know, I have a bias here. Um, without that, I don't know if this would be in my top five, but it's, it's just such a liberating feeling. Cause I used to love the draft as you remember when we mm-hmm. went to college and I loved draft Saturday and Sunday and then working it, my love for that got totally zapped, and now it's completely back. I've reignited my love affair with the NFL draft, and, and we're all better for it. To be quite honest, well, I am at least, yeah. So, so yeah, that's that's number three for me. So my third is a cheat one, and and I and I'm admitting it now that it is not a specific event, but it is okay. it is a specific thing that happens at the event which is whatever the olympic moment is that everyone cares about whether it is michael phelps going for the record or that moment when katie ledecky had lapped the entire pool in an olympic sport um you know but whenever there is some moment and as an american it's whenever it's an american usually other than when other than in my lifetime usain bolt was a moment yes. when you when yes. you wanted yes. to see must watch yep. you I, know but uh, when you have yeah, that I, thing yeah. whatever yeah. that thing is for you at the olympics i think is yeah. one of the greatest sports is because it's it it's the international stage and sure. it's you know be, on some level because the sport is obscure everywhere most of the time right it makes it more meaningful you know it's not like soccer with the world cup where it's like oh i'm checking in every Mm -hmm. four years well everyone else has been checked in the whole time you know right that's that's fair yeah yeah and and i guess the usain bolt one is is uh that that hits home with me because i don't get into the olympics that much i mean i you know i follow them when they're when they're going on but i don't watch a ton of them but i believe it was was the last one wherever it was from i can't even remember where it was from the last one that he ran when he was going for the hundred and he'd already won i believe two other golds that year and i would you know i found it on my computer live because it wasn't on tv live and i wanted to see him run that hundred to see if he could win and and so that you know that was one that it's like eh, i don't really get into it that much but i had to see that moment to see if it happened yeah, I think um Was that in London? I think it was, was Rio. I think it was twenty sixteen okay. in Rio. Okay. Um, I was say, it seems more recent than, than twenty twelve. So I was I was thinking that was the case, yeah. Well, because he hadn't run. Like that was the story going into Rio. It was kind of the right. same thing as the uh Michael Phelps story of well he hasn't right. really done his normal Not training. Anything. And he yeah. still won the gold. He didn't shatter his world record with the gold in the hundred, but right. he still won right. the gold. Still won, yeah. You know, yeah, and made him the first ever three-time one hundred meter champ, I believe. You know, yeah. won. Then he won three golds, three straight Olympics. Yeah, which is like unprecedented. To, I mean, to do it over eight years. Um, so yeah, I mean that. You know, the Olympics isn't isn't an event that I you know, countdown to or anything. Although I believe, isn't it coming back? Isn't it in the U S in like 2024, 20, 28? Something it, like that. Yeah. LA. So LA is, um, the next U S host. It's Tokyo that, in 2020, Paris, uh, 2024, LA, okay. 2028. 28. That's what I thought. I knew it was, I thought it was further off than 24. So I, I do intend to probably go to that at some point, you know, for, for something just to, just this kind of a, you know, I went to an Olympics type of thing. I'm not going to go for the entire two weeks or anything, but, um, you know, just to see something basketball or whatever. Um, but yeah, you know, that's, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah. So that's, that's my three. Um, well, my, my four is an event 
that is uh, an every year event and a specific okay. one, and it, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Okay. I I, okay. I care more when it's the Packers, then I will watch all you know fifteen hours of coverage. Uh, but any season, I want to watch the Super Bowl. Sure. I want I want to see all of the events, all of the pageantry that surrounds yeah. it between yeah. the commercials and the halftime show. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, uh, I I like that one, and I and that's gonna that's gonna appear on my list. And I don't know how deep we're going on this. Are we going five? Yeah, I only have one okay. more scheduled, but I'm okay. And then we can talk about some others that, that you know honorable mentions. Um, it's it's there, but for for me, number four, and this one I know you will not uh, sort of in the same way. Fantasy football, you know, is one that I wouldn't pick. Number four, I I think of golf because I plan a lot of my you know April through July around being able to watch golf. And the one that I enjoy the most probably just because of the differences is the, the, what they call now the Open Championship, but it's known to us in the U.S. as the British Open. And even, I hate to pick one day because I love watching all four days, but to stay loyal to it, I'll go final round because that's obviously the round that we, we crown the champ. Um, I love watching I love watching sports early in the morning. There's something that always appeals to me about that. I've grown up watching the British Open in July, early in the morning, have great memories of many years doing it. So that one is coming up next Sunday. And so it's, as you can tell, that's that's high on my list. Yeah. No, it's a, you know, if you are a golf person, it is a great day. And, and, and the, the last good. day of any, the last day of any major when yeah, it's close, I, mean, I was gonna say I could yeah. I could easily put you know Masters final round or U.S. Open final round in there, but for me that you know that when I was a kid, you know my parents and I would always get up early. We'd watch the British Open early on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, you know, it was summer, so it wasn't in school. You know, the Masters, you you know you you they were in school still during, uh, but the British Open you could watch. You know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday early. Uh, and, and I still keep up that tradition all these years later, and so do they. Uh, you know, so I uh, uh, that one to me resonates just a little bit more, uh, which is why this year's Masters was so much fun. Not only that Tiger Woods won, but moving it up and playing it in the morning our time because of the weather, it had a British Open feel to it. You know, it's eleven in the morning and the tournament's coming to an end. Uh, was was you know a special feeling you know to to have that for myself. So my final one, I, I wanted to get some some baseball in, okay? Because you know, it, it, and the All Star Game I enjoy. The World Series as an event sure. is big, and and if there is a Game Seven of a World yes. Series, I, that would be up yes. there for me as as my number five. Mm-hmm. Um, I, other ones I considered before I go back to talk about the World Series is uh, Opening Day, obviously. Sure. Um, and then the first Sunday afternoon of baseball where you can just, you know, all yes. day through Sunday night baseball, just bounce up. time yep. zone to time zone and catch every single team playing. Gotcha. Yes. Um, yes. but, but for me, it's if the, if it gets to it when there's a game seven of a world series that, I mean, the, the okay. Cubs Indians one where you're oh, just yeah. every uh, pitch, every moment uh, back and forth. You just, cause, because, because, because the yeah. drama, it, it's, it's weird to me that, that people think baseball is boring because when the game matters, if it's a oh, tight man. game, oh, there is no more excruciating, intense sport to me than baseball. I, I agree. I mean, you know, I, some of the, the most tense sports moments I've ever had, or baseball games. I mean that that game seven, and and the, the two that I mean the two that resonate with me for being there in person were the super regional that ASU played against Arkansas. Game one and two both went to extra innings. Um, you know we won both, and and I mean the, the tension between every single pitch, between every inning, uh, every strategy. I mean I, I completely agree with you. There, there. It's it's hard to replicate. It's hard to describe if you haven't felt it. Um, yeah, because it's yeah, just because if it's to that. if it is a tight game, if it's a one run game or a tie yeah. game, yeah, you know everything matters. the The fact oh, yeah. that you get through the number nine hitter just so you can yeah. turn the lineup over the next inning yeah. matters. You know, yeah. and and yeah, I know exactly, that yeah. I get deep in the weeds. I you know I care about baseball 
as as much as sure. you know sure. any other sport. But when but when you're watching it, if you get into it, your heart's racing. I mean, I think about last year, you know, the Brewers playoff games, and when they were close with the Dodgers. Right. I mean, that game that lasted forever in L.A. Right, um, right. You know, you're just living and dying on every oh, yeah. single pitch because any, you know, anybody, especially in the new home run year, but anybody can hit the ball out. Sure. You sure. know, one yeah, bobble, one, you know, mistake. Yeah, hell yeah. Well, I mean, and, and boy, that, yeah, that Cubs Indians game is, is one I'll never forget. I mean, obviously the, the, the thrill of the ending, but uh, the emotional ups and downs, the, the rain delay. Um, which was kind of like a you know a reset for me as a you know you've gone to the to the depths of thinking it was right there and then it's gone and I remember in that rain delay you know kind of just pacing around my apartment thinking all right I think they can win this like it just it, there was like this sense of calm that's like okay you'll be all right you know and and they did um, I had no you know I'm not saying I, I had a you know premonition but it just it was like at this reset moment. Um, uh, yeah, that, that was a, an incredible sports night for me. Yeah. So what's your, so, what's your final? My fifth one, I, I thought about Super Bowl Sunday because in combination with the fact that it's the Phoenix open final round, which I always love watching that leading up to the Super Bowl. But I think I'm going to go two weeks prior to that and do conference championship Sunday. I love the, the, the day, of, you know, back to back. Um, you, you know, you have two big games. They're both at home fields, so you have a little bit more traditional football feel. Um, you know, it starts at one in the afternoon here, uh, and it just again, it's one of those that I, I think about the memories I have of some of those conference championship Sundays, both good and bad. I mean, sometimes they've devastated me, and sometimes they've been unbelievably thrilling, um, and sometimes in between. I think I'm going to go with that one. What other things were on your, you well, know, the, the potential? Super Bowl Sunday, like, like I said, Super Bowl Sunday combined with the Phoenix Open final round is always fun. Um, one that I think is emerging and that maybe five, ten years from now might be higher for me is is the college football, you know, semifinal day. Um, mm-hmm. It's just it's too it's too early yet. We haven't really established much in the way of tradition of it. Um, but you, you know, if if that continues along this path, I think that. Could emerge. Does that get hurt to you at all because it rotates and it's it's not home field and it's it's different days, it's different yeah. bowl sites. Yeah, I it's, think so a little yeah. bit. I, I, we haven't, you know, like it hasn't really settled in as a tradition yet. Um, I would love it, but the Rose Bowl is is going to go kicking and screaming on that. And that's why it's not that way. If that was always January first, I feel like that's what January first should be. Like you, you could play a. You could play a you know a bowl game in the morning, you know ten o'clock Pacific or whatever, and and then have your semifinals be at you know two and six like they do now, always on January first. I think that would help. But again, the Rose Bowl clings to that January first date, and only one out of three years does the Rose Bowl have the semifinals, so it's not going to be that way right now. Um, but I think I could see that becoming something. Um, depend and who knows? Maybe the, the, if the playoff expands. And goes to eight, uh, maybe that first day of the playoff becomes like like the college basketball tournament, where you know that that day of, of you know if they were to play four games on a day or something like that, I mean how great would that be? You know if you started with you know if you did ten, one thirty, five and seven, or, you know, or, or you stacked them where there was overlap time. I don't know how you do it, but that would be that would be a ton of fun. Yeah. Um, so that's one for me. You know, the, the final four is is still there. Um, it's not quite what it used to be when, when college basketball was, was what it was when we were kids. Um, and for that reason, the NBA draft is kind of the same. They're, they're both fun, but they're not quite what they were, you know, 20, 25 years ago when we were growing up, I don't think. For me, the one that wasn't on my list that was a, a tough, lo- you know, tough luck left out was mm-hmm. uh, rivalry weekend, Thanksgiving weekend. College football. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. obviously for yeah. ASU U of A, but, but there's so right. many good rivalry games throughout the whole weekend. That is true. And, that is, that's a very good one. Yeah. You know, obviously I care most about my rivalry, but you know, when you get the, uh, LA schools, both wearing their home uniforms, yeah. regardless of yeah. location, 
I love that. Right. Um, the Iron Bowl. The Iron Bowl, I was going to say, yeah. is always fun. Yeah, um, Florida, Florida State back in the day. Not, not, not as much lately, but, uh, that, I mean, God, the season used to come down to Florida, Florida State in the 90s. Um, you know, so yeah, I, that's a, that's a good one too. I didn't think about that one, but that's, that's a great weekend of football. So that, that was my big one that I left out. I also thought the divisional round weekend for the NFL playoffs, because you get two games each day. I thought about that too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I guess for me, I picked the conference championships just because again, of, of memories and, you know, some of those, some of those days that it's like, I mean, a lot of these pretty much every single one except for maybe NFL Draft Thursday because that's relatively new. But all these other ones I've picked come down to, you know, the, the fun memories I have going back to when I was a kid. And, he, and then, you know, recent years as well. But, yeah, Divisional Weekend's always fun too. I mean, you, you get, you know, you get four games, two a day, rather than just one, one game, one day with two games. Yeah. So that, that was my other one. Um, yeah, yeah, those are, those are good. I mean, I mentioned, you know, Masters and U.S. Open final rounds I'd probably put on there, too. Uh, you know, PGA doesn't quite resonate as much, although I, I still obviously watch it. But uh, it's not it's not as special as the other three. Um, you know, did we did we leave out any sports? I mean, I, I don't think we didn't we didn't mention anything hockey, I suppose. But neither one of us is a huge hockey guy. Um you know, I, I suppose Stanley Cup final game seven, if there was one, and there was this year, is a little bit like the World Series game seven. That same drama that the you know the season can turn on any one moment, especially if it like it went to overtime. You know, an overtime playoff hockey game. There's no drama better than that. Yeah, I, even if you don't care who wins, I mean, it's just that, that feeling of like you know you could be watching it for three hours or it could be over in ten seconds. Right, and, and that's the. You know, that's the thing that really any game seven or, you know, final game matters. Baseball and hockey have the ability for the split second turn um, where it can go from a tight game to broken open or, you know, from a blowout to a or not a blowout, but from, you know, being down. The difference between being down two and being down one in those sports is a split second and super yes. meaningful for how much drama there is the that's rest of true. the way. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. You know, so that I guess, you know, comes to mind, but, but there isn't like one hockey day every year, anything that I, that I plan around for me, I, you know, kind of the standard I use for this, although some of them are weekends, but one of the standards I use for this was, okay, what, you know, what days do I want to make sure that I'm home? I'm off work. I'm home. I'm watching that, you know, I'm, I'm available for that. And, and there's not a hockey thing that necessarily comes to mind for me. And, you know, the college basketball tournament's a great example of that. Uh, you know, I've already put in to be off Thursday, Friday, next March, because I want to be able to watch those games. So I, here's what I'm surprised wasn't on your list. Okay. Texas, Oklahoma, I thought would be yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and I, Honestly, what I'm surprised by from both of our lists, which I think just speaks to how meaningless the Pac-12 events are, Pac-12 yeah. basketball tournament, Pac-12 championship for football. Championship Net, yeah, you know. you're right. Um, you know, but yeah, I, I guess, um, you know, the Pac-12 basketball tournament, I mean, for, for well, I guess, you know, in some ways, both, you know, ASU fans we don't have great memories of either the Pac-12 football championship. We've only been in once and we didn't play very well. That was still, you know, tremendously cool to be in it. Um, the part of the problem with the Pac-12 championship game to me is, you know, it hasn't established any real tradition. It was at campus sites to begin with. Then they moved it to San Francisco, which hasn't worked. Um, sometimes it's on Friday night. Sometimes it's on Saturday night of that weekend. You know, that's the, that's the problem is you want to, you know, like if you're an SEC, if you're an SEC football fan, you know right now that the SEC championship game is on Sunday, the first Sunday of December, and it's going to be at, uh, what is it, 2 o'clock, 2 o'clock Pacific, 4 o'clock their time, or 2 o'clock Arizona time, I should say. You know that. Like, that, you know, there's tradition to it, and the Pac-12 hasn't established that. Which shows how weak the conference has been. Yes, yes, you know? yeah, and... And, you know, the basketball tournament, for me, is hurt by the fact that, you know, I can only watch two of the games on regular TV now. 
I mean, the, the first round is all Pac-12 network. I guess this year it was three. They did one quarterfinal game, one semifinal game, and then the final on ESPN. But those are on at, you know, 8.30 at night, Arizona time. So that's, what you know, 9.30 for you, 10.30 Eastern. Um, you know, so they buried it by putting most of it on the Pac-12 network. And as much as I love hearing the takes of uh, Yogi Roth and Darren Sutton. Right, and, right. Yeah. yeah, you know, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's the that's the tough one about that. Uh, uh, I mean, there's there's a ton of, of you know, great days being being sports fans like we are we're not you know we each have our favorite sports but we, you know we watch all the sports and so it's uh, you know there's always something i mean that's the beauty of, of the fact we've been able to do this year round is that it's like even even in july there's something to talk about um and and so there's always something fun going on something interesting um this has i will say as we've talked about this it's given me an idea to, you know, on a different topic, maybe for soon in the future, you know, our, our like favorite sports day memories, not like annual, but like specific days, like the Cubs beating the Indians that made me think of that, mm-hmm. you know, our, our sports memories, greatest games we've seen, uh, not necessarily in person, but just ever. So think on that, chew on that for a bit. Yeah. Well, I, I it, it comes out of a holster for me. The greatest game I ever saw in person was a a near perfect game by then Orioles pitcher Mike Mussina okay. uh, at okay. Camden Yards. My only trip to Camden Yards. That that okay. I was a I was a kid. We were there as a yeah. whole family. I'd never like been that. to Baltimore before. We went to yeah. the game, and he was as dominant as I had ever seen a pitcher dominate. And yeah, yeah. it was okay. amazing. Okay. See, and, and there's two separate categories we could do there. Greatest that you've seen in person, and then just like greatest memories as a fan, which, you know, uh, for you, I'm sure, would be, you know, Packers Super Bowl. For me, is like, I, you know, Tiger Woods winning the Masters a few months ago, those type of things. We weren't there, mm-hmm. but still the amazing feeling. So there's, there's a couple categories we could go. I mean, uh, the, the greatest game I think I've ever seen in person, and I, it would take so much to top is Super Bowl 42. That was that was just incredible. I mean, you know, I I was so lucky to have been there and and to have you know that type of game. That the tension, you know, you talk about the baseball tension. That that game had so much tension the whole way through, um, and so it, it'll be tough tough to ever top that one for me. Yeah, I've seen some really great games, and I have some great memories of you know Georgia and Oklahoma and the Rose Bowl a couple of years ago it was an incredible game. Um, you know, so but uh, that Super Bowl forty two was amazing and then just you know like personal feeling being there super bowl 50 seeing Peyton manning win the win the super bowl and and you know his last game that that'll that'll almost certainly never be tops unless i get to go to the masters and see tiger woods win or something like that yeah i mean for me as far as like just greatest games the mucina game was great uh i saw kurt schilling's home debut for the diamondbacks against greg maddox which was a two nothing pitchers duel okay okay um which was amazing to see in person. I was I was at Safeco for Ichiro's thousandth major league hit. I, okay. I was okay. at Miller Park for Chris Bryant's first home run. There you go. All um, right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but yeah, this is this is illustrating, and it's I, I think it's funny. You know, and I just said we each have our favorite sport. I think yours is pretty you know pretty well established. It's baseball minus football. It's it's illustrating that your games you're coming up with are baseball games. For me, it's football games. Yeah. And it's funny because like the personal ones that resonate, I I was at a Toros game the year that the Brewers were the Toros affiliate. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, there was a an extra innings home run off of the center field batter's eye that bounced over in the 11th inning to give the Toros a win. And for some reason, I, I always remember <laughs> that game as being like yeah. an amazing yeah. game. Now, the Toros team that year wasn't particularly good. You know, the best major leaguers right. from that team were Jeff Jenkins and Travis Lee, who wasn't even a brewer. Yeah. Right, um, right, right. He was alone there. Yeah, I remember that. You know, but, you know, so you have those moments. And then, obviously, you know, on the personal stuff, ASU basketball, our senior year winning against Arizona. Over Arizona, man. You put the words in my mouth. Like I was going to say it. If you didn't get to it, I was going to say that, you know, I think it was January 9th, 2008, if I remember the date. I know it was January 08. 
uh, was yeah that that uh, that night will forever be imprinted in my brain. Yeah, I mean, we met at the court on the court. Yes, at the yes. court. Oh my gosh, that was so much fun. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, that that was uh, as good as it got. I mean, we earned that uh, three years of of heartbreak. The, the freshman year, you know, devastation, losing on on what was you know last ten second shot. Uh, junior year was a close game that we lost. You know, I mean, we we put in the time, and to get that our senior year was uh, was storybook stuff, basically. Yeah, it was special. So yeah, that was that was uh, for ASU related memories. That's tough to ever top. That again, I'd go back to those those super regional baseball games. It's probably the only thing close. Um, you know, because I was I was so invested in that team in 2010 and. And I, you know, I had gotten to go to Omaha in '09, but that was such a blur. It was my first time doing it, and and, and I wanted so badly to go back in 2010. And, and uh, you know, those games were, I mean, just two great baseball games. Um, really, you know, really well played, drama in both comebacks, extra innings, wins. Uh, you know, so those are the ones that stand out to me. And as far as being there and, you know, as far as probably football goes, the, the memory that I have the best is, is 2013 when we beat UCLA and clinched the Pac-12 South. Uh, I will always remember that and talking to you, you know, right after that game and just the feeling of like, I think I said it probably a dozen times in that conversation, like, this is why we do this. This is why we're fans for moments like that. Well, and it was, for some reason, we had developed this football rivalry with UCLA, and to yes, do it the way yes. we did it... Yes, um, on the road. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we haven't won a lot of big road games, you know, in our 15 years of being ASU fans. We don't have a lot of big road wins. And so that one, you know, to clinch it on the road, uh, and, you know, they had they had crushed us the year before, um, and, you know, that was... That was big, yeah, yeah, and it, and it just you know it was an accomplishment. We we had accomplished something. We had won the Pac-12 South. We didn't back into it. We we actually went and won it, and then to you know to wrap it up, to, you know wrap up home field the next week when we beat Arizona. That, that was a fun couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know that stands out. If you know the the one that uh, the what if moment uh, that could have been even better than that was if we beat USC in two thousand five. Yeah. And, and we we could have and should have um, we you know we started that day at college game day and we should have ended that day on the field celebrating being the number one team but it didn't happen. Yeah, well, and there's so many you know for you and me game memories that I have. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I I a personal memory that I will never forget is uh, Arizona Illinois Elite Eight oh, and you leaving <laughs> leaving the room and refusing to come back from doing I think doing laundry laundry <laughs> dorm yep that's right that's right yeah because well I came back and, and they started to come back and I was like you know you know me and you're the same way with superstitions like well it was, it was going well when I was in the laundry room so I'm going back to the laundry room yeah so I'll I'll always remember that. Uh, oh, yeah. As far as oh, yeah. and then as far as stuff you and I have planned, that's just worked out. You know, going to Ole Miss when we'd been talking yes. about it for years. Yes. And then a ton of fun. And then the the Kansas basketball game this past season. Oh where, God! Yeah, you're right. That that was incredible. Yes, I. That's that, as far as basketball memories. I mean, the the 08 U of A game. Again, I say it's going to be hard to top unless we you know clinch a Final Four or something like that. Um, but. That, that game, yeah, because that was another one, like you said, we planned it well in advance in two-plus years from when that series got announced, and, and to have them come in number one and beat them, uh, uh, that was as good as it gets. Again, storybook stuff. Yeah, you, you couldn't draw it up any better if you tried. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, even though we haven't, uh, we haven't gotten to celebrate a national championship or anything with ASU, we still have a lot of pretty darn good memories. Uh, you know, talking, you know, the, the UCLA football game that you came down for, um, you know, when we went on the field the second half. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, mean you shoot, know, we, the Stanford game, everything until we lost was fun. It was. You it know? was. Yeah. The, the Pac-12 title. Yeah. Um, and you said Stanford. That reminds me of the Stanford game later that, in 2008. Valentine's, Valentine's Day, Day of 2008. Yeah. Yep. Where you Eric, there, but you showed up at the end. Yeah. And, where Eric Bote. Yes, yes. You know, took it to Bucks players, the Lopez. The Lopez's. That's right, that's right, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Uh, that was a fun season. That that 08 season was, there, there were some really good times. I mean, it didn't end with the tournament, which, 
I'll always be a little bitter about because I think it should have. But uh, yeah, those those are two that that U of A game and the Stanford game are etched in my mind for as long as I'll remember things. Um, you know, th- that was a lot of fun. Uh, and yeah, you weren't there for most of it. You you showed up in the second half, and I remember uh, celebrating on the concourse of Wells Fargo Arena when we clinched the victory. Yeah, I so the as the story uh, might as well say it. No one's listening anyway, but. I, I was on I was on a date because uh, it was Valentine's yes. Day and I would I went correct. to a movie I cooked yep. dinner and yep. then I was like all right I haven't checked the score or anything it's <laughs> it, the game's probably over but let me just can I check the score and yep. she was like that's totally yep. fine and I saw it was going to overtime and I lived about two minutes away from the arena and I yep. said yep. hey this was really fun uh, if you want this date to continue you're going to have to come with you're me because I'm going to did. the arena. <laughs> She did, if I recall, right? She did. Well, I mean, how could you not? It's overtime well, yeah. against Stanford. I mean, it would be an easy call for me, too. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, yeah, I do remember that. I, I remember joking with you that I had a date with the Lopez twins, and you had a legitimate date. But we both ended up. We both ended up with the, the Lopez twins, and you know what? Uh, I, yeah, I stand yeah. by the choice. I stand by uh, the choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great game. That really, that really was a great game. I, that's one that I. I wish, you know, they'd replay on a broadcast or something. That was just a really good game from the start. Um, that was a good Stanford team, too, obviously, led by those two guys. And, you know, so, yeah, we, we, we have some good ASU memories and some heartbreaking ones. I mean, the, the freshman year U of A game stands out. The, the uh, single maddest I've ever seen you. After the after U of A game? Yeah. The, yeah, the convi- yeah. you know, from the angle of our seats where it seemed mm-hmm. certain that Stoudemire had traveled and oh, and the uh, and just the inconsolable rage that man, you I felt. Was, that, uh, you know, there are there are a few sports things that have bothered me for more than a day. Usually like, you know, okay, I'm I'm like really upset and then it's like, all right, get over it, you know, move on. It's just sports. Um, that was one. That like I remember going to school the days after and thinking, like, I'm just so pissed off. Like, how could that happen? Um, you know, it just didn't seem right. And, and, I mean, that that, and probably when the Spurs lost game six of the finals and then game seven, you know, a couple of days later. But those were the ones that just haunted me. Haunt, and, and still do to an extent. I mean, they, you know, they won the next year, and thank God they did. Um, you know, because I'd really be haunted if they had never won another one. But uh, yeah, those those two uh, stand out to me as ones that I just could not get over. They 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 made me mad, and then they just they devastated me. And that that one, yeah, probably as far as devastation goes for ASU, that's up there. I don't think there's one that is higher. I mean, I've had disappointing losses. That Pac-12 title game, obviously, you know, was was one. But it's different when you get blown out. And Stanford blew us out. Like Stanford was better. Yeah, the, the, the what you know, if like, of the Stanford game was really Foster. When Foster got game. hurt, it was yeah. like, all right, well, now we don't that have a shot, it. so we might as well just get used to the idea we're not that winning this it. game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that was they were better. You know, it's it's like when ASU basketball lost this year to, to Buffalo, and yeah, they were better. So you, you kind of like, you know, it sucks, but you just you know you accept your fate and you move on. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the basketball game when you barely lose, I mean, that, that USC game in 08, the conference tournament where we lost, I think by one or two points and, and probably had we won that, we would have gotten the tournament. That was a killer too. You know, well, yeah, Ed, how about losing to USC the Harden year where we were, yeah, you know, we could have won the tournament yes, and we were up yes, at halftime and it, big. you know, yeah. Yeah, and, that's that's a good one as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as, I mean, for me, as far as not their bad ASU losses, the the year mm-hmm. Arizona didn't have to throw a pass in the second half and still, oh god, you know, twenty what was that sixteen? Yeah, twenty sixteen. That was so embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, that that was that was a low point of Todd Graham. At least they had some low points with uh, with you know Cutter and Erickson too in our times. Um, but yeah, yeah, that that was a rough one. Is that is that the low point of ASU football in our years? I think you could make a case for that, right? Yeah, I mean, I think Erickson's oh, last year. Oh, for just a yeah. single game, yeah. I, I mean, game. it's I think I mean, that and and the devastation of losing to Oregon State, the you know the yes. year where we were on our way, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was that was a tough one, but yeah, I mean, as far as like the the most embarrassing performance, I think that was probably it. I mean. 
we did Erickson's last year. We did lose to Arizona at home, and then Cal the next week. We gave up like fifty points each. Um, and, and Arizona was Folds was the starter, but he got hurt in the fourth quarter, and, and uh, he was Bryson Bernie came in and threw like three passes, but two were touchdown passes. That was that was a pretty low point as well, I suppose. Yeah. Um, as far as yeah, high points, this year this yeah. year was pretty good with the comeback. Them, yeah. Yep, and uh, yeah, yeah. and the two blocked extra points to win the game. Points, yep. yeah. I was going to say, those those two are probably the best memories of beating Arizona in football. Yeah, yeah. Um, those those were as good as it gets. To, to do it down there is always fun. I mean, to, to do it here is always fun, too. Don't get me wrong. But, yeah, the, you know, the, the drama of both of those, the, the unlikely nature of both of those wins, too. Like, we had no business winning either one of those games, and we did. Yeah. Well, I think we covered the random topic that we were going to do later, so we'll co- we'll come up yeah, with a different yeah. one. You know, we'll we'll think about it, and maybe we'll have more next week. Who knows? But uh, yeah, you know, it's that's that's the beauty of our conversations they they ebb and flow from where we started. We'll be back with a lot more ebbing and flowing, bobbing and weaving. Uh, until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. <laughs>